Blog Talk Radio. Oh, folks, good morning and welcome back to RealMentorsRadio.com. Yesterday was the first show that we had done in the new year. And as most of you know, I, I really get personal with my with my show hosts. I mean, not my show hosts, but my, my call-in listeners. And, and as you guys know, Dad went uh, in for a heart catheter yesterday. They found 90%. Uh, blockage coming and going from his heart, a, a massive amount of of uh, fluids behind his heart. Uh, the next few days he will be at uh, one hospital in Kansas City doing uh, a little bit of, of uh, I guess, strength conditioning is what this would be, the, the medical term. Uh, they always call it rehab, but what they're trying to do is, is get him uh, a little bit stronger a little bit more focused, both mentally and physically. He is he is prepared to go um, to St. Joseph Hospital next Monday. They are are preparing, unless something changes. They are preparing to do open heart surgery. Uh, they they do have some high risk. He uh, weighs over 300 pounds now, having a hard time to breathe. Uh, but he said, you know, I'm ready to go home with the Lord either way. I don't want to be on this earth with all this pain that I'm having and all these troubles. His kidneys aren't working right, his liver's starting to mess up. He's truly in congestive heart failure. Uh, so please keep my mom in your prayers. They have been married 45 years, uh, just just finished their 45th anniversary. Uh, it's tough uh, for them. Matter of fact, it's fine, kind of funny the way God works, and we'll get into the book. But uh, they met on New Year's Eve um, at a club 45 years ago and have been together ever since. Um, Literally, you know, how, how we look at today's kids in society and we get a little funky and a little crazy, but uh, the night they met, uh, they fell in love or fell in lust, however you want to look at it. And, uh, you know, we knew the product of the 60s back then. Who the heck knows? But uh, went from there to living 45 years together. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. I look forward to that. My dad yesterday, as we were talking, said, there's two things I want you to remember, son. Uh, you hold that family unit together, hell or high water, and you take care of those kids. And uh, it meant a lot to me. You know, it's, uh, he's a tough dude. But we're in Chapter 2 of Credibility, how leaders gain it and lose it and why people demand it. And I, I studied a variety of books that I wanted to launch this first year. I've got The Little Red Book of Wisdom by Mark DeMoss. I've got Resolve by Orrin Woodward. I've got the brand-new Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. But this one stood out to me because I believe that without integrity, without credibility, without learning how to be a credible leader and then how to sustain it, that we're in for a deep world of hurt as leaders. See, too many times we train on leadership. What's it take to be a leader? This book here is teaching leaders what the, their constituents. The, the old term was followers, and I think that is so asinine and, and antiquated. We don't really have followers anymore, and if we do, we're probably running some kind of cult. Okay, we have constituents who believe what we believe, who value what we value, who look to us to facilitate the tribe and to lead it, but not necessarily are they just followers. This is where life has changed. This is where things are moving in a more forward type of situation, and this is what we have got to be prepared for and be looking at. 
Credibility makes the difference. Take a minute and think of a time when you willingly followed the direction of someone you admired and respected as a leader. And make some mental and written notes as you answer the following questions. What was the situation? When you started following somebody, when you said, man, that, that's somebody I can believe in, what was, what was the project, the program, the activity you were going to do? I mean, I mean, think about that. What was it that was making you work? Those are, those are the big answers. And if you can answer that, then we're on, we're on track. Think about this. What three or four words could you use to describe how you felt when you were involved with that person? When you were working hand-in-hand with this admired leader that you had, what were some of the things that you thought about? What were some of the feelings that you enjoyed? That, That would be a very good question there. Or ask yourself this one. What leadership actions did this person take to get you and others to want to perform at your best? You know, I'm a little different. Nowadays, we've got so many military guys actually serving that, that very few of them are back home. But I remember my two drill instructors, the two that made the big difference, drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Rillo, and Sergeant Kelly. When I, when I was with those guys, I admired them. I admired their service. I admired what they were doing. I hated their guts because they were putting me through some hell. But I loved them. They made me feel like I could accomplish anything. Now, understand, that was after they made me feel like a maggot. But then they built me up to be one of the few, one of the proud, one of the Marines. That was the kicker for me. That, was, that started me down a path of learning about leadership in a whole new way. Ask yourself this. What leadership actions did this person take to get you and others to, to really look at where you were going, what you were doing? What is that best? I remember we were sitting there, and they were saying, you can do anything if you just do it as a team, if you work together, if you protect each other's backs. And that's what we did. Maybe you can't relate to the military side of it. Let me tell you a story about about Kelly Lacoy, who was the director of operations of a very large health care provider. Her hospital administrator was her most admired leader. He always had some kind of of new thing, and you all have to bear with me for a second because I've got a phone man here at the door that i gotta I gotta talk to is everything cool yeah. all right perfect all right I appreciate it yeah, thank you sir right. when when administrator her hospital administrator came into her life, she felt like as a nurse she could do anything, and here's the story that she recalls about this. She said he always had some kind of new project to work on. He could see what was coming up next, something new, something interesting, and something different to do. He taught all the time. Just in general conversation, he was teaching you something so there was always an opportunity to learn. In other words, she got to grow personally. He was scrupulously honest so that I had this real trust in him. And I just knew that he would never cause me to be in a situation where I'd sacrifice my ethics, my own personal values, or my standards. He worked very hard, very long hours. I worked probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life, but I never felt more 
I never felt used or abused. He totally trusted me to do my job, wanted to hear feedback, and was always available for problem solving. Big, important deal there. And one method of communication was two-way communication. He used he used to, to call floor conferences. These were very little meetings. They timed for people to be able to ask questions or make suggestions or share their gripes. That's important, leaders. Listen to that. Share their gripes. This, this cotton-picking thing about don't want to hear no negative talk. Look, if somebody's got a gripe, listen to it. It shows you care. I'm not saying whine with them. I'm saying listen to them, figure out a situation, make it happen. If it can't be fixed or if they are just negative, dull, disillusioned crybabies, get rid of them. But here was the kicker. This, this was good. He'd take notes while he was doing it and then get the notes typed up with a response within 24 hours. He was able to take complex issues and and go through them and, and, and synthesize them in terms that people could understand, though, that everyone shared in the common goal. He said very high standards. Kathy goes on and she says one notable way that he, he made her feel important was by the way he introduced her. Every time they had a visitor or the president of the company, he would say, you're going to have a real trick today. You're going to meet the best damn nurse there ever was. He made her feel proud. Now, he did this with everybody. It wasn't just her, but this, she, she responded to the survey. She goes on and she says, the most dynamic and memorable story about absolute trust is this. I bet nobody ever had a boss that did anything like this. My husband and I had been married for eight years, had three little kids, and had never had the opportunity to go away for what we call the real vacation. We saved our money, and it took a little over six months, and we were going to Acapulco. The day I left, my boss called me into his office, and here's what he said. Now, I don't want to insult you, but I want you to do something. When you go on vacation sometimes, every once in a while, there's something that you just really want, but you know maybe you can't afford it. You, you feel you shouldn't buy it because you've got three kids that, that want something else. He goes, well, I'm going to insist that you take with you my American Express card just in case there's anything you really want. Now, that's trust. She never used that card, but she remembered the way he made her feel, what he had did for her. In other words, he honored and respected her. And if you want to be a leader that builds credibility and don't lose it, you have to honor and respect people and show that you care in a genuine fashion. This also goes towards people that do not agree with you. I have a gentleman that, that I interact with that I honestly, doesn't, I honestly don't believe he thinks I like him because of some of the things that he says. And, and he's both a critical thinker and just a negative person. I mean, it's just, it's just his personality. But he'll say things like, I don't need your blessing. I don't need your respect. It's like I, I didn't say you needed it. I just said I'm giving it to you. Respect, not really my blessing. He doesn't love network marketing the way I do. Matter of fact, he looks for every negative situation that he can find, and he wants to broadcast it. He doesn't want to look at the positive side, period, ever. And when I say, man, you, you make some great points, and I want to talk about those, 
It's interesting because he doesn't believe that. He's always trying to find a way that he can prove that I'm wrong or that I've let down on my values. And see, I, I, I don't care about that. All I want to do is honor and respect his stance, where he's at, even though I don't agree with it, because it does allow me to look and see what he's doing and, and maybe learn some new things. See, that's what people are looking for. See, people, if you want to be that leader, then you have to understand that your constituents understand actions more than words. They understand that when you when you perform the way you talk, they get it. Now, here's a, here's, now you take this, and, and I'm not going to rabbit trail down on this, but, but listen to me here. Sometimes leaders can't communicate well. I can shoot videos and I can do radio, and sometimes that's better than when I'm trying to articulate something to my kids. So we have to learn to communicate. We've got to find the method that we best communicate and then use that consistently. That's what's going to help us drive forward where we're wanting to go. See, people always remember how you made them feel. I used to have a gal that worked for me. Her name was Mary. She was just a negative lady. I always thought people were out to get her, and I made her feel so proud. I promoted her to the manager one year. She busted her butt and worked for me, man, and, and she didn't really have anybody she was leading except herself, and all of a sudden she started leading herself better. She started dressing better. She started acting better. She started doing what she was supposed to. It was, it was an amazing thing, and I learned from that. Incredible leaders make positive difference in people's lives. It's what people are looking for. See, when you can go out there and change a person's life, let's, let's look at the Iowa uh, uh, primary or caucuses, whatever they were called this last Tuesday, yesterday, I guess it was, or two days ago. If you look at the lower three politicians that were, were running there to get the votes to, to be in the top tier, all three of them lost. Just period. I mean, there was, I mean, but here's what they had in common. They all shared the same constituency. They all same, uh, share the same core values. And what they did was they split their constituency in three parts. When you divide by three, you get less than one. Had just one of them come together and ran, they would have taken the whole thing. They had more votes between the three of them than the top three would have. They would have won. The top three are totally almost 180 degrees different except for the, their political party. And it's amazing when you look at this, when you see this. And the same thing will happen inside of any organization. See, people want to follow those people that make them feel good. They want to be constituents. They want to hang out with people that have shared values with them. This is so important, and yet sometimes we miss it. This is why when I consult with, with CEOs, I'm going to be consulting with the uh, chief marketing officer and, and the CEO and founder of the company next week. And what I share with them is that they all have to be on the same page. Their personalities have to shine through. But each of their personalities will attract different people. So they have to have that shared core value. And I love these guys because they're getting ready to go on a cross-the-country road tour, and they're hitting different cities, and each one of them are going to be in a different city. They're not teaming up together. They understand you need to go separate ways and, and build the numbers, 
but they have the same story on the same team taking care of the same constituents, and that's what this is about. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you someone's admired leader, or are you something else? Are you somebody people dread to be around? I've had I've had partners and bosses that I just dreaded to be around. They were just negative people constantly. I've had clients that I have fired. Usually client fires you, you know, if you're if you're a consultant. I've fired clients because they're just too dull and negative. I've refused to take clients because they're too dull and negative. I believe that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to stay true to your core values. You've got to build up people. So ask yourself, how are you doing? Are you helping others? Are you helping them achieve what they need to do? See, this is important. This isn't about you as the leader. This is about your constituents and how you are able to help them reach their dreams and goals. See, credible leaders will inspire loyalty and commitment. I want you to write this one down. This is important. You don't love somebody because of who they are. You love them because of the way they make you feel. See, something that I've learned by Dr. Elmore is that the majority of leadership is below the surface. Only about 10% of leadership is above the surface. Everything else is below. You may not know the person like you think you do, but you know them based on how they make you feel. There's things my mama knows about me that nobody else does except my wife. And some of it my wife didn't know until a few years in the marriage when we, we built that trust. See, think about this. This is important. You don't love someone because of who they are. You love them because of how they make you feel. This applies equally whether it's a company leader or really in a personal relationship. The sad thing is in company settings, it seems inappropriate to use the words love and affection. Tim Sanders talks about this in Love is a Killer App. He's the chief leadership or visionary officer now over at Yahoo. The conventional wisdom has it that management is never a popularity contest. However, reading about this, all things being equal, we will work harder for people that we like, that we respect, that we love, than we will for people that we don't like, respect, or love. I've gotten more productivity out of people that other people have looked down on because I have treated them as an equal. I would have, and this is this is how bizarre this probably is, but some of you that know my background will understand this. I would have fought proudly for the South. But I would have been one of those few people that would never have owned a slave. See, it wasn't about slavery. I mean, when I look at this, when, when, you, when you lead people who don't like you, it's the same as having slaves working for you, and I don't like that. I understand that not everybody will be turned on by my personality. Not everybody will follow me. Not everybody will hire me as a client, I mean, as a, as a consultant. 
But I also know those that do, we will get very personal with. When I was on the phone yesterday with a with a CEO and and uh, a marketing, two different companies. One's a, a chief marketing officer, the other one's a CEO. Both of them said, Troy, we know your dad's in the hospital. Let's talk about that first. I was on the uh, I, well, I went on the phone. I did an email over to Orrin Woodward this week and said, Hey, want to chat if you got a second? He said, I'm out of town, but I've, I heard about your dad. And we're praying. I mean, this is see, this is where you build that trust. You you work with people that you like. You need to be liked and loved by your constituents. That's how you build credibility. In the book, it says, in analyzing the themes expressed in over a thousand case examples, these ten words were used most frequently to talk about credible leaders. Valued, motivated, enthusiastic, challenged, inspired, capable, supported, powerful, respected, and proud. This is how credible leaders made their constituents feel. Notice I didn't put in there that they felt stupid, intimidated, or sad, or fearful. See, when people perceive that their leaders care about them, then they will work so hard. And that's because credibility, sustaining it and holding it, is a person-to-person activity. It begins with understanding the human dynamics of trust. And you have to ask yourself, whom do you trust more, people you know or people you don't know? See, when you know people, you respect and trust them. Or you don't, but you, you know where I'm going with that. See, this is the key. You have to earn that credibility because you earn trust. Remember what I said, respect is given, trust is earned. The secret to closing the credibility gaps lies in the collective willingness to get closer and become known. Oh, but Troy, we may have to fire them someday. Absolutely, you may have to. Or you may just have to lay them off because of economic downturns. It doesn't mean that you stop liking them. It's like these people say, well, I've got to, my friends all got to agree with me. Then they're not friends. Because if all your friends agree with you, you're all going to be driving drunk. You guys have seen the ad, you know, friends don't let friends drive drunk. See, this is where you're going. You need to be friends. And if you want to maintain credibility with your with your constituents, then you have to do what you say you're going to do. In other words, you've got to practice what you preach. You've got to walk the talk. Your actions have to be consistent with your words. You've got to follow through on your commitments. You've got to keep your promises, and you better make sure people understand the difference between a promise and an idea. That's big. Do what you say you will do. D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D for short. It's so powerful. It's so important. To do this, as we're closing down the call today, this is important and you must know this. There's six disciplines that you need to master for earning and sustaining credibility. This is this is big. This is this is this is where it gets personal. Okay. First thing is you've got to discover yourself. And I want you to understand something. The next six chapters of these books, this book is going to cover these, but we're going to go through them real quick. 
You've got to discover yourself, who you are, what you are. You've got to learn to appreciate your constituents even when you don't always agree or your personalities clash a little bit. John Maxwell says always use the 101% rule. Find the 1% you can agree on and give it 100% of your efforts. Number three, you have to affirm shared values. I'm saying you have to. You must. This isn't you should or you might or you want to. You have to. Number three, you've got to develop capacity in your constituents. You've got to help them grow. Number five, you've got to have a shared purpose. Number six is the big one. Sustained hope. I'll tell you somebody that is far from being the best leader that he can be, and he, and he would tell you this himself if he was here. I think he's still in Ireland. And it's my good friend and my mentor, Garrett McGrath. Garrett does his best at all six of these. He is constantly looking inward to discover more about himself. He's constantly appreciating his constituents. Matter of fact, when he leaves town, he puts them in charge of his radio show. He's constantly affirming the shared values of the team. He's constantly developing his constituents to be better leaders than he himself is. He serves not just his team, but the whole profession with a purpose. And he sustains hope on an individual level. I remember when when Bazi dropped their compensation plan and he was looking for a new home. He did not stop traveling and talking to his people. He continued to look at team and spirit and say, we've got hope, we're going to find this, it's going to work, and they did. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. We're going to go through these in detail in the next few days. See, if you discover yourself, if you appreciate your constituents, if you affirm those shared values, if you develop the capacity of your team, if you serve with a purpose, and if you sustain hope, and you will become that credible leader that is raising up other credible leaders. See, the true sign of a leader beyond the popular belief of society is not the fact that you're number one. See, nobody gets to stay number one ever. That's Muhammad Ali. But the sign of a true leader is a man or a woman who continually raises up number one and is willing to step aside and let other leaders become number one and watch them step aside as other leaders become number one. It's called servant leadership. Not just a spiritual term, not a subordinate term. It's the way life is. If you think the President of the United States is the most powerful leader in the world and that you serve him, then you're wrong. And if the President of the United States believes that he is the most powerful person in the world and everybody else serves him, then he's wrong. See, when you're in leadership, it's about serving others and doing the best you can and bringing your constituents around you to help you serve. The key ideas from this chapter that we need to take away from here is credible leaders make a positive difference in individual lives and in the workplace. Second thing is trust is the base 
of all on, on which all credibility is built. To earn and sustain credibility, leaders have to get to know their constituents and let their constituents know them. Do what you say you will do is the behavioral definition of personal credibility. D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D. Do what you say you will do. In fact, do what we say we will do is what distinguishes leader credibility from personal credibility. Leaders represent their organizations, not themselves. When you say we, that means that you're leading for your team. The shared value is not just your personal agenda. And lastly, the process of building and sustaining credibility requires the six disciplines of discovering yourself, appreciating your constituents, affirming the shared values, developing their capacity, serving with a purpose, and sustaining the hope of the team. Tomorrow, Chapter 3, Discover Yourself. Now we get into the nuts and bolts. We're going to have a blast. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning for RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.